We're going to turn now to God's Word. Uh, This morning we are finishing up our series in the book of Galatians. Uh, It's just amazing God's timing and what He wants to speak to us and His, uh, you know, His providence. And uh, we are going to look at verses 11 to 18 of Galatians chapter 6. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. So when Alexander Hamilton was 15 years old, a hurricane struck the island that he uh, grew up on, and he wrote this extraordinary poem in response to it. And I thought about that poem this week as we kind of go through the the storm, the hurricane of of COVID-19. Here's part of what this uh, extraordinary, precocious, 15-year-old Alexander Hamilton wrote. Forgive the uh, King James English that he wrote in. See thy wretched, helpless state, and learn to know thyself. Learn to know thy best support. Despise thyself and adore thy God. Why do I shrink? What have I to fear? Let the earth rend, let the planets forsake their course, let the sun be extinguished and the heavens burst asunder. Yet what have I to dread? My staff can never be broken. In God I trust. In God I trust. Hamilton took the storm, the hurricane that came into his life and his community, and he held on tight to his faith. Uh, his response to all of that was, was faith, was faith, was trust in Christ, was looking at the cross of Christ and boasting in that. It was looking to the time that there will be peace. And, you know, with his faith and with a little bit of time and a little bit of perspective, God brought beautiful things out of that. His poem was so well written and so well received that the town pooled their resources to send him 
to America, to send him to New York City to be educated. And everything that came out of his life was because of that. So that reminds me that God will bring good things out of this. God will bring good things out of the storm that we are walking through right now. Uh, with faith, with a little time, with a little perspective, God is working on us. He's changing us. He's getting our attention. You can't disagree with that. Um, he's renewing us, you know, by his spirit. And there's a day that's coming that we're going to be able to say, along with the Apostle Paul, along with Alexander Hamilton, along with the saints through the centuries, I boast in Christ. I boast in the cross. I boast in what he's done. Even during the storm. I will boast in Christ even during the storm. That's what we're going to look at this morning as, uh, in these two sections. You know, first, what it means to boast in the cross of Christ and what he has done. And second, how do we apply that to our circumstance? How do we apply that to the storm that we're going through? So first, what it means to boast in the cross. And second, how we do that even during a storm. Boasting in the cross. Well, why would we, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to boast in the cross? Uh, Paul tells us it's, that it's because it was the most important thing in, in Jesus' life. It was the height of Jesus' life. It was the climax. And that's why we put it on all of our churches. The cross behind me. But I think like, like the furniture or the artwork that's in our house, sometimes we can forget that it's even there. Sometimes we can take it for granted. Um, are there times when we forget the depth of the cross, the power of the cross, what it means for us, what Jesus did on that cross? Paul, in, uh, in verse 11, this final section, he says, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. He's finishing up this, the letter to the churches in Galatia, in modern-day Turkey, and he's been dictating this letter to a scribe, but at this point, he takes the ink and the quill in his own hand, and he starts to write, and he writes in these big letters because it's so important. It's a summary of the whole letter. It's, it's bold. It's, it's black. It's all caps. It's, it's kind of the... The ancient equivalent of, you know, command B. Just, he wants us to know that this is so important, what he's writing here. And he goes on and he says in verse 14, Far be it from me to boast in anything. This is really strong language. Uh, for all of you, you know, Greek scholars at home watching this, this is this, you know, it's this almost untranslatable Greek idiom or Greek expression, meganoita. Uh, it, it's translated in a couple of different ways, but it's, you know, far be it from me. May I never, God forbid, that I should ever boast in my accomplishments, in my background, in my pedigree in what I've done, in any of my works. God forbid that I should boast of that. No, I'm going to boast only in the cross 
of Christ. So first, Paul's boasting, it means that the cross of Christ is the main thing in Jesus' life. It's the reason that he came into the world. The way that I think about it is that, you know, Christmas is because of Easter. Jesus was born into this world to go to the cross. Good Friday and Easter. But we remember that that we're in Lent now. (laughs) Remember that? We're in this season of self-reflection, of thinking about the big things of life, of knowing that life is, you know, but a breath. Have you guys seen some of those, those memes that are, that are out there, you know, the last couple weeks? It says, I didn't think I would have to give up this much for Lent. It's a, it's a Lent that we're always going to remember. But in a week from now, in seven days, Holy Week begins. And if you look at the Gospels, if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you realize that the writers who are writing these biographies of Jesus, they spent an inordinate amount of time on the last week of Jesus' life, on his entrance into Jerusalem, his trial, his arrest, his suffering, his death, and of course his resurrection. But Jesus was on this earth for 33 years, so why does the Gospel of John, for example, half of it is taken up with the last week of Jesus' life? It's because John and the other gospel writers, they knew that going to the cross was the main thing, that it was the purpose. We love the teachings of Jesus, the ethics, the healings that he did, but the cross is what truly transforms us. When we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross, that's the thing that changes us. That's why Jesus commanded us to celebrate communion. You know, that connection to the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus, that reminder of what he did. And what what a wonderful day of celebration it's going to be when we can get back together and we can celebrate communion face-to-face with each other, that very tangible representation of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So second, the cross, boasting in the cross, it means that we cannot save ourselves, that we can't save ourselves. You know, from the time that we're young, we're we're thrown into this world that says you can achieve, you can do it, you can do anything you set your mind to, you can be anyone. But the cross steps right into that, and it it sort of offends that modern sensibility, those modern ideas. You know, what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago in 1 Corinthians 1, it's still true today. He said that the cross of Christ is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. We... We are like many people that like the teaching and the healings, but many don't get the cross. They don't understand it. They don't know why it 
Jesus had to go to the cross. But the cross is God's response to sin. It's God's response to people all the way back to Adam and Eve who say, you know, I'm in control. I know better. I've got this. Because we, we like to think that we're in control. We like to think that we don't need the cross. We like to think that we don't need rescuing. We don't like other people telling us what to do. You know, the governor of Oregon says on a Friday night, don't be close together. Keep the social distance. Don't play football. Don't play frisbee. Don't play basketball. The next morning, I go to Park Lane Park on a beautiful day. What are people doing? Playing football, frisbee, and black basketball. Sweating all over each other. Shirts and skins. I mean, it's crazy. We don't like authorities telling us what, what to do. We want to make our own decisions. We want to be in control. You know, the, the reason that the cross offends me is my pride. I think I'm too good for it. I'm not really that bad that somebody would have to go on a cross to save me. And there are really only two responses to the scandal of the cross. You know, one is that it, it hardens our hearts. The pride builds up, we kind of dig our heels in and we think, no, we don't, we don't need that. That's, that's for weak people. That's for people who can't keep it together. That's for the addicts. It either does that or we see it for what it is and it melts us. It softens our hard hearts. And we actually are repentant and humble and sorry for all the things we've done for the first time. Jesus wouldn't have needed to die if we could save ourselves. If we could just, you know, solve our problems, if we could stop doing the things that we know we shouldn't do, but we can't do any of that. And we feel that right now. We, you know, this, the virus is spreading. Um, the, the economy is crashing. It has all these effects on us, and it feels very out of control. But a pastor friend of mine said one thing. He said, this, uh, this virus is, is, it's not that we're giving up control. It's giving up the illusion that we were ever in control. It's giving up the illusion that we were ever in control, even of our own lives. God is in control. God has it all worked out. God is sovereign, and God can bring something good, even out of the worst circumstances. There's a, there's a great line from that, that old football movie, Rudy. Um, Father Kavanaugh says to him, Son, in 35 years of religious study, I've come up with two hard facts. There is a God, and I'm not him. There is a God, and I'm not him. Salvation is by grace. You know, for those that admit, we're not God. We're not the savior of the universe. We're not running the world. The good, the wise, the proud, the hypocrite, they don't get it because of their pride. 
But the, the screw up, the hopeless, the addict, the humble, God comes to us and saves us by his grace, by his work. So what does it mean to glory in the cross, to boast in Jesus and what he's done? It's to make it the main thing. It's to know that we can't save ourselves. And third, it's the message that God loves us. The cross means that God loves us, that he loves humanity. There's these um, bumpers or these logos that I kind of see around. And I've got a, of course we don't have the screens this morning, but I hope you'll be able to, um, to see this. The cross equals love. The cross equals uh, the heart. It's God's love for, for us. The cross means that God has taken our place because he loves us. You know, one theologian called the God of the scriptures the crucified God. The crucified God because he goes to the cross in our place because of his love for us, because of his love for humanity. Jesus got the virus instead of us. You know, Jesus got the ultimate sickness. He took our place, the punishment that we deserved. He took it on himself. And the whole time, the whole time that Jesus is up on that cross, he's praying for people, even his enemies. You know, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Father. But that's, that's the cross. That's the message of the cross. This weapon, this ancient weapon of Rome, this mark of oppression and violence, God turns it on his head and makes it the ultimate symbol of love. The Apostle Paul shows us all these things. He shows us what it means to boast in the cross. But how do we do that now? How do we do that during a storm? I just want to close with a few thoughts on that. How can we, how can we dwell in the love of, of Christ shown for us on, on the cross? Well, I think uh, foundationally, if we're boasting in the cross, if we're looking to Jesus, we live with, uh, without a sense of fear. You know, it's this idea we don't have to be afraid of the ultimate things. You know, a lot of people right now, we are afraid because uh, we, we've lost our job or we don't know uh, when we might lose it. Uh, we, we've lost uh, money. We've, uh, we have to deal with the crippling boredom of our children or the impatience of our spouse. We have to deal with losing this life that we are, that we are used to, this freedom that we're used to. And those things are serious. I have empathy for it. But I also want to tell you that when we look to Christ, those things don't affect us on a deep level. They can't touch what's inside here. They can't touch our souls because our souls are hidden 
with Christ, our soul and all the things that truly matter are, are with Christ. They're safe with him. Our life is hid with Christ on high. So even the biggest things, even death, which the Bible calls the final enemy, we don't even have to fear death when we look to Christ, when we look to the cross. You know, I think about the, the doctors and nurses that are putting their life on the line right now, and I have so much respect for, for them. I think about the hospitals in New York City right now. It's like a war zone there. Uh, I think about the hospital where Silas was born, where Lily worked, where I visited my congregation, these hospitals across New York City, and I, and I, and I would be scared to go there now. I would be scared, but I also know that God can take away my fears. There was a, a doctor over in China, Dr. Li, and he was the one that discovered this novel coronavirus as early as December 30th. He, uh, he tried to warn people, but he was sanctioned and silenced by the government. And he, he kept treating patients with this mysterious virus, you know, through the rest of December and January, and then he became sick. And he actually passed away on February 7th. But a couple of days before he passed away, he wrote this poem. He said, goodbye, my dear ones. Farewell, Wuhan, my hometown. Hopefully after the disaster, you'll remember someone once tried to let you know the truth. Hopefully after the disaster, you'll learn what it means to be righteous. No more good people should suffer from the endless fear and helpless sadness. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Quoting 2 Timothy 4, 7. So even death, even the final enemy is not to be feared because of the cross. Uh, Dr. Lee didn't fear it. I've seen that in the saints of this church. You know, the people that I've held hands and prayed with as God has called them to heaven. There was no fear of death. That's boasting in the cross. That's faith. That's receiving the gift that God gives us. The cross that forgives us. The cross that, that heals us. That's the faith that, that I pray all of us have as we approach our death. You know, whenever that is. But it, it doesn't mean that we're foolish. It doesn't mean that we're reckless. Um, you know, quite the, 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 the contrary. Jesus would be emotionally and spiritually fearless. I mean, he had no fear, but he also would be putting other people first, would be thinking about how to love vulnerable people in this time, how to bless them, how to encourage them. You know, the, those that are infected, those that are on the margins, the poor, the homeless, those that mourn. That's where Jesus is moving in this coronavirus. The more we look to Jesus on the cross, the more all of our fears just melt away, even the, even the fear of death. And when we're living, when we're living, 
through this crisis, through this storm, looking to the cross means grace. You know, as Paul finishes up this letter, that's his final bold word. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, brothers and sisters. Isn't isn't that just refreshing in a time like this? Grace for your restless children. Grace for all the disruptions and complications at work. Grace for your finances. Um, You know, I won't go into whether the the um, stimulus is grace or not, but I know that you know, I don't deserve it. But there's grace, grace and mercy for yourself. You know, stop beating yourself up. We are all doing the best that we can in a difficult circumstance. Grace abounds. The final word in Paul's letter, the final word of Jesus is grace. I know a a girl whose birth parents couldn't take care of her. And she spent the first three years of her life in an orphanage. She's a miracle. She's a miracle. She was helpless. She was crying out. She needed to be rescued. And she was saved. God heard her. She was taken in first by an orphanage, and then next, by, by a family. And when my brother and sister-in-law adopted her, they changed her name to Grace. Because isn't that a picture of grace? Isn't that a picture of what God has done for us? From an orphan to a daughter, from lost to found. But that's not just her story. That's my story. That's your story. Lost, helpless, grasping for whatever amount of control we can find. You know, trying to figure this whole thing out ourselves, the virus, life, our finances, whatever it is. God picks us up, and he's kind of just like, let me take it from here. That's grace. So let him take it from here. Surrender to him. Trust in him day by day. Look to the cross of Christ for your comfort and for your peace. Take your eyes off yourself and your circumstance and look to Jesus. Boast in the cross. There is grace. There's grace for me and for you, the grace that we need, the grace that God lavishly pours out from the cross. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can look to the cross as that symbol of love, that we can boast in you, Jesus, and what you've done. Not in ourselves, not in our accomplishments, not in our background. But we boast in the cross. Thank you for the grace that flows from the cross to each one of us, to all that cry out to you. Soften our hearts when we're angry, when we're bitter, when we're stubborn. Melt our hearts by your grace, Lord, by what you've done on the cross for all
who believe. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.